Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com, joined by recruiting analyst Dylan Callahan Crowley. As we're here coming to you following Oregon State's uh, transfer portal edition of quarterback Giovanni McCoy, uh, committed to the Beavers uh, just last night. Dylan and I are going to break down what the six foot two, 185 pounder brings to Corvallis. Dylan, Oregon State's been hitting the transfer portal hard for a lot of different positions, but we see them finally land a quarterback. McCoy was the guy that we reported as being on campus for a visit very early in the process. He was obviously a local kid and someone who we could tell there was some interest there. I think they chased and are still maybe chasing some bigger fish, but nevertheless, this is a quarterback that they have locked in heading into next season. Uh, Just for stability at the position, and especially given that we don't know what Ben Gobranson's plan is next year, he said as much when we talked to him, you know, he said he's going to evaluate things after the year, but even if he were to come back, you know, you still would want more depth of position. And if he doesn't come back, then you really need depth of position. Uh, so I think they they did, they kicked the tires on a bunch of guys, Dylan, but right. all considering, we'll get into his stats in a minute. I kind of like McCoy in the sense that he was a under-recruited quarterback, had to go to Idaho to start his career, but really has put up, uh, you know, solid numbers, maybe not great, but, you know, a solid two to one interception to touchdown ratio this last year, roughly. And, you know, he kind of a, got that gunslinger mentality, I would say, if I were to put it into a word. How, what do you kind of think about him? No, yeah, I mean, uh, not, it, it, it's obvious nothing was given to him, right? Uh, he, had to, he had to go out, earn his playing time at Idaho, had to earn his way into the FBS ranks, and, and he did that. So uh, good on him. But, I mean, yeah, you know, it's – people are going to look at just, you know, Idaho and be turned off by it to sure. a degree. I get it. It's not, it, Idaho isn't a, isn't a sexy transfer college to come from. It's, sure. it's not, it's not Clemson. It's not Clemson. It's not an FBS yeah. program. It's not a power five program, obviously. And, and a couple of years ago, it was one of the worst programs in all of college football. Um, but I, I think what you look at and now he wasn't the only guy, but what, what you look at is that Idaho's offense under him, the last two years has been one of the best offenses mm-hmm. in the entire um fcs and yeah. yeah that comes down to the other town on the field that comes down to the offense coordinator uh the head coach Eck out there is you know a, a very good offensive mind a guy that we talk about as potential fit for the beavers as an offensive coordinator sure but you know M- mccoy is the key cog in what made that machine work and the stats he posted at um Idaho over the last two years are, you know, are, are quite impressive. Um, let me see if I can pull them back up here uh, quickly. Um, but um, yeah, you, you look at the, you know, over his three years at Idaho, 65.7% completion percentage, 5,800 yards, 43 touchdowns, 19 interceptions. Uh, he, he has gotten the job done. He, he's, he's sure. not really a, dual threat quarterback he can run a little bit he can escape the pocket extend plays pick up some valuable yards on the ground but this is a pocket passing quarterback who i think will fit into ryan gunderson's system very well it's what he he should fit into what they were running i know it was chip kelly's offense at ucla but i i imagine ryan gunderson's offense is going to be a little bit of what we've seen in the past yeah Um, it'll be similar for sure and then a little bit of Chip Kelly, you know, influence building that. I think you, it, it would, he would be mistaken not to have some of Chip Kelly's influence in that. I know sure. 
Chip Kelly's offense last few years hasn't been what it was 10 years ago, but I also think that's because you, you – I mean, when Dorian Thompson-Robinson was there, right. the offense was – yeah, DTR was a great quarterback. DC, I mean, he's still playing on Sundays, right? right so right. Um, that's a big Dante, Dante Moore just wasn't the quarterback that everybody thought he was coming out of high school. And I, I think that's the big thing there. Right. Um, but I think McCoy is gonna be able to fit into the Beavers offense quite well. Like I said, a pocket passer. He's he, and I'm looking uh our friends over at Pro Football Focus uh sure. do a great job of uh you know breaking down stats in terms of depth under pressure, all that. And and you look, I mean, this is a kid who posted a, and I would say with PFF grades, they're, they're never gospel, but they're good supplemental information. Um, I, some of them are sometimes pretty off and you question them. Sometimes they're good. Um, but you know, he, he they gave him a 94.8 passing grade this year on deep thrown attempts of 20 yards yeah. per, or more. 22 for 51, 694 yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Out of those 22 completions, that they credit him with 20 big time throws, which is very subjective. I mean, what what a big time throw to you and a big time throw to me may be very different. But the, the key thing to me is that zero turnover worthy passes on those 51 attempts. Yeah. yeah th- throughout the entire season, he only had six turnover worthy passes uh, as a whole. Impressive. It, it, it absolutely is impressive. And some people will be like, okay, how do you have six turnover worthy passes, but eight interceptions, you know, not, not every pass is, is always, you know, the quarterback's fault when it gets intercepted, it, sure. it, it bounces off a wide receiver. It could just be an incredible play by a, a, a defender. But what I see is an accurate quarterback. I mean, the completion percentage spoke for itself. I think I said what 60. Yeah. Five percent, five is solid. I mean, you think about DJ this last year, uh, he was less than 60 percent, Dylan. As, as right. best I can recall, I think DJ was 57 percent, and that was the one thing about DJU uh, this last year that you know, some of it sure was Oregon State's system, some of it was the fact they only asked him to pass 12 times a game, right. whatever it was. But regardless, you know, that completion percentage was not quite what you wanted it to be. Usually that 60% mark is kind of the the low barrier of sorts into being a, a really good quarterback. But going back to McCoy, I mean, obviously, Dylan, you and I just podcasted a couple of days ago talking about the uh, 10 signees that the Beavers had and talked about local product, Kalen Gutridge here from Wilsonville. Uh, you know, he's obviously a guy that we talked about, you know, another quarterback that they like that is probably going to be more of a developmental piece for a couple of years, get into the sure. system and kind of work his way up. Dylan, talk to me about why McCoy, if Oregon State doesn't attack the portal further, which we'll get to that in a minute, why he could be a quality starting option for the Beavers this next year. Uh, I mean, the big thing we talked about on – Wednesday was, you know, production. It's yeah. the it's it's a results business. Um, now you you can say yes, his numbers did take a little bit of a dip this year. You know, twenty seven touchdowns dipped down to fifteen passes and touchdowns. Sure, uh, I'm not sure quite why that is. I didn't really get to watch the Idaho. Yeah, um, I can't say I watched a ton of Idaho, but maybe Vandals we'll have to, we'll have to sneak into some Vandal coverage to look at McCoy. But yeah, um, I'm with you on that. I'm, I you know I'm looking at their. Their their schedule there was a there's a couple of blowouts there so perhaps it was just you know the, the maybe the running game was what was the better uh, sure. part of their offense to a degree uh, they did bring in um, 
Thomas Ford from right. Idaho, the running backs coach. Um, but I think, you know, is, is he going to come in and be a elite quarterback similar to what Cam Ward did for Washington State? Mm. I, I don't know. I, probably not. That you know, that's pretty high expectations to put on a kid. But you you look at what he did, and what I see are traits that are very much translatable to the FBS and the FCS. Uh, yes, the athletes are going to be better, but he is a smart decision maker. He does not throw a ton of turnover worthy passes. He, he has a, a really high quality arm. He's accurate. I mean, you look at his um, going back to his passing depths, you know, 43% on the deep balls. I mean, in, in the FBS, that's a, that's about what you will expect to see from even some of the better quarterbacks in the country. Right. Um, th- that that that's pretty impressive, and have no turnover-worthy passes on deep balls that is is very impressive. And you know, this is a kid who also suffered. I, I'm looking at it right now, and this would make sense from why the stats aren't there this year. Um, let me do the quick math in my head here. Uh, Drops he had still a lot. Uh, 10, 12, 13. He was he was the victim of 13 drops this year. Mm, that's a lot I of mean, drops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that can that can easily, you know, 13 drops at you know, 10 yards pass. That's um, right. 30 extra yards. Who knows how many touchdowns? He was under pressure quite a bit still. As you just saw me count the uh, numbers up 85 times. Right. Uh, over um 200, 300 attempts. But uh sure. Medium in the medium game, he was you know 63 percent. Um, in the short passing game, nearly 80 percent. This is a kid who's accurate at all levels. I mean, right. he's a smart decision maker. If you can be accurate and you can be smart, you have a good chance to be a really good uh FBS quarterback. And I'm again, it's the production. This is a kid that two years ago was the Jerry Rice Award winner in the FCS. That's he was not an easy award to win, it goes to the top freshman in college in the FC in FCS. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely something that's translatable. I don't think he, I don't know if he's going to come in and, you know, light up the world, but I so, think he can come in and do you, do you remember DJ stats at the end? Uh, from this season? I mean, yeah, this, yeah DJ, I think, you know, finish, like I said, it was about 57% completion percentage. Uh, let me go ahead and pull up the uh, official stats here. So I don't butcher it through for 2,600 yards, 21 touchdowns, seven picks. Quarterback rating only an 80.8. So, again, that's where, like, again, was DJU great for the Beavers in what they needed him to be? Yes and no. Like, was, you know, again, I I still think it's important to parcel out what the expectation was. And I think there were some Oregon State fans who expected DJU to come in and be Michael Penix or Bo Nix. And just be... You're you're expecting him to find that five-star talent at some point. Right. And I think DJ was... Good, pushing, really good at times, but I don't know if we ever saw the great, like that five-star talent from DJ. Maybe a time or two. I know he had a really big game against Cal. That was a game that stands out to me. Um, But, you know, with that all being said, those numbers, Dylan. Yeah, and you tend to look in the biggest games, too, is when he probably struggled the most this year. Washington and Oregon, bad games for DJ. And that's where you're going to be judged the hardest one year one year quarterback i mean you can he could throw for 40 you know touchdowns in 10 other games but if you know he goes sure if two touchdowns to eight interceptions those two games nobody's going to care about the other 10 and that's fair that's yeah 
How much do you think uh, McCoy's familiarity with potentially Ryan Gunderson? Obviously, McCoy went to Idaho out of college, but being a California guy there from Baldwin Hills, I believe, you know, Ryan Gunderson, um, when he was being recruited, was at San Jose State and then got hired to go to UCLA. I'm sure he was familiar with him. Do you think that was a big part of this too, Dylan, considering that other – or you mentioned Thomas Ford. Maybe Thomas Ford had a piece of this too because – you know, there obviously had to be some sense of offensive familiarity about McCoy's game from the coaches Oregon State right now, you know? Right. Yeah, I, I think one of, the, one of the key things there is, you know, just being a, a local sure. prospect, basically. Um, you know, it's not it's not like this is obviously like Washington State where uh, Washington State. Uh, obviously, they're not that close, but, you know, still a Pacific Northwest talent. Sure. Um, it, it's not that far away. I don't think they were, you know, watching film throughout the being uh, throughout the year, being like, "This is a, this is going to be our dude." But um, I, I think it's it's a logical fit it, from California, obviously somewhere they recruit heavily. Uh, Gunderson, I'm sure, knew of him coming out of high school. Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly where Baldwin Hills is. That Southern Cal? Yeah, I think that's Southern California. I can't say um, I've been. Um, uh, um, yeah, so that is uh, yeah, it's in LA. So Baldwin. Yeah. Hills. So another LA kid coming in here, which, you know, if you're going to continue to build a pipeline to an area, build a pipeline to Southern Southern California and Los Angeles is not a bad idea at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, it comes from a place they recruit well. I'm sure Gunderson saw his film. He may have even camped at San Jose State coming out of high school, or uh, he probably, I'm, I'm sure Gunderson saw him in some capacity coming out of high school. And, you know, it, when you win a, an award like the Jerry Rice Award, you earn some more recognition. People know your name. I'm, I'm sure uh, the coaching staff knew of him. And I'm sure if he entered the transfer portal this time last year, he would have been a much bigger name in the transfer portal. Yeah. Um, and it's not even like he had a bad season. He just didn't have as great of a season as he did last year. But you look at what DJU posted for Oregon State this year, and I don't think it's numbers that he – you know, can't match. Could he do better than them? Perhaps, but I mean, if if he if he would be able to provide, considering the level of talent he is compared yeah. to on paper the level of talent that DJ tech, that theoretically has, I think a a season like DJ posted would be more acceptable from a Giovanni McCoy type standpoint than perhaps a, a DJ standpoint because you know DJ was supposed to be that guy who you know he maybe he never was going to reach that five-star potential but come to corvallis maybe was going to unlock something in. and and who knows maybe that maybe that was going to be year two if everything would have went right right and uh, for what it's but, worth, still did up his stock i don't know if he yeah. had taken dj after the last year in a lot of ways he was better at oregon state than he was at clemson but like you said there was that expectation and probably unfairly so sure hey, let's go, this is the Michael Penix and Bo Nix. And those two guys, I think, are very unique cases of guys being really, really good and two-year transfers um, at their specific spots. But kind of wrapping up the point on McCoy, again, as Oregon State lands Idaho, uh, Giovanni McCoy to uh, come in, who have two years of eligibility left, will come in as a redshirt junior. Um, That's definitely going to add some competition to the room, Dylan. Let's go ahead and the deck again and talk a little about the rest of the quarterbacks and themselves, like we mentioned, we're waiting to see ultimately what happens with Ben Golbranson and Travis Throckmorton, the redshirt freshman on the roster right now. You wrote 
keep an eye on those two guys as we work towards spring football, especially right. if they take another quarterback. Two more quarterbacks, or rather, you know, two that we've known they've been linked to have been Malik Murphy from Texas yeah. uh, and then Gabari Johnson uh, from Missouri. Dylan, set the table. Where do things currently stand with those guys? Does McCoy yep. get you out of the running for either of them? And what do you think is an appropriate timeline to expect? And I say that because last year, you know, DJ Mu announced on Christmas Eve that he was coming yeah. to Oregon State. So uh, is McCoy it at quarterback for them, or do you think they're still keeping their finger uh, on the right. button looking to uh, bring in at least one more guy? Yeah, I, I, from all the intel we received, I think when, when it comes to those two, the most likely one is still Gabari Johnson to be a second quarterback for Oregon State in this transfer portal. Um, you know, that he was re- reported to have very high interest in, I think we received that intel what, last Thursday, last Friday on Gabari Johnson, that one, like, he entered the transfer portal and was like that. And they're like, we, we got intel immediately that, uh, you may be muted, by the way, but that uh, Oregon State was um, going to be a very very high on the list of potential destinations for Gabar, for Gabari Johnson to ultimately end up at. And that was when, you know, it, it was still quite clear that Oregon state was going to be in the transfer portal market for a quarterback, uh, for a starting quarterback for 2024, including the names, you know, Malik Murphy popping up. So I, I don't think Gabari, I, I don't think this affects Gabari Johnson's recruitment. I still think there there's a logical fit there. And I think, you know, you bring him in and you let him and McCoy compete. Mm-hmm. You let those two compete. Um, Johnson, I still believe has four years of eligibility left. You're, you're, so you're not, you're not, you're, it's not like McCoy who I, I think McCoy and Malik Murphy were probably a to a degree of one or the other type thing. Sure. I, I'm, I'm assuming based off what we know, based off the caliber of players are that Malik Murphy was probably the top guy on the board. So I wonder if they received some sort of intel that suggests that Murphy is going to he- head elsewhere. Right. Uh, we and know, what, And what we've heard is it's pretty much Oregon State and Duke are like the two teams. Right. Kind of been in the he was, so that's something to keep an eye on in the coming days. And, right. you know, we, we talked about it on signing day, like, Transfers are a little bit different, Dylan. It's different for every school as far as when they have to get in. And specifically for Oregon State, I know that transfers have to, you know, get in by the start of winter term, which, you know, doesn't start for Oregon State until after the new calendar year. So the Beavers do have, you know, some flexibility and some options. But, yeah, I mean, I was just curious because – Obviously, McCoy was a guy, like we said, one of the first quarterbacks we reported on our board. One of the first right. guys had at beaversedge.com. And we knew there was going to be some interest there, but that's where I'd be curious to know for Beaver fans that are wondering, does this take them out of the running for Gabari or Malik Murphy? Sounds like those options are still open with the emphasis probably being on Gabari Johnson. And yeah, that would make sense given that he is a native of Tacoma, just right up the freeway. You mentioned locality with um obviously McCoy coming from California to Idaho to Oregon State you know there's a great chance from what we've heard Dylan and obviously he didn't play at Missouri so that's a part of it too right from what we heard I think it's very easily safe to say Gabari Johnson was a little homesick and wanted to come back to the west coast because you know didn't play at Missouri was a kid from Washington and he could end up being a nice little 
you know, addition for Oregon State should they ultimately get him. Um, but then, like you said, let him go compete, and there could be two guys kind of duking it out for that starting quarterback job. Add in a third if Bengal Branson's still around. I mean, we still got to see how he plays the bowl game, Dylan. He could go up there and, you know, light up Notre Dame and put up good numbers. And then we could say, well, is Ben back in the mix? And can Ben win you games against a largely Mountain West schedule? So lots of moving pieces still to get. Oh, go ahead, Dylan. Yeah. No, I was going to say that's everything to, and it, you know, it, it, it sucks, but it is what it is. is you know, if, if DJU would have came back for 2024, which I, 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 and I don't think there's anybody, but I, I don't think you can fault him for, you know, leaving. I mean, this, this upcoming year is the most important year of his collegiate career, especially if he wants to get to the NFL. Um, and, and at that point you have to go where you trust that you're going to be able to, you know, be developed and, if he ends up at Florida State, I mean, Jordan Travis is one of the best quarterbacks in the country this year. He, he was developed really well under that coach's staff. It is it, it sucks for Oregon State. It really does. But it is what it is. But if DJU came back this year against a largely Mountain West schedule, I, I'm sure he would have uh, lit it up. He would have lit it up. That's, yeah. I've been, like, playing San Jose State in game one six times. No no right. different San Jose State. But that's, like, you know, DJ was against – the lesser quality competition, as Dylan mentioned, again, it's not a criticism of DJ, just an observation. He didn't perform as well as we thought he would have against Washington and Oregon. And those are the games he will probably ultimately be judged by here at Oregon state. Right. Um, But so, so I do think, you know, Oregon state is going to be in a solid spot next year at quarterback. I think, you know, you'll get Ben, you look at Giovanni McCoy, um, one of those, I think both those guys can win you games against a largely Mountain West schedule. It, yeah, there's going to be struggles against Oregon, and uh, I, I think they could beat Purdue. I, I don't know. I don't think that Purdue team is is that good right now. Um, there's a lot of kinks they have to worry about, especially offensively. Um, but I think that's and defensively. Uh, but I think that's a team they can even be. I mean, th- there's still high potential for this Oregon State team, considering what they still have to re- have returning. To be a 9-10 win team next year against a largely Mount West schedule. Um, I mean, Dylan, you were just looking at the scholarship chart that we posted on Beaver's Edge this morning, and right. I know there's been a lot of doom and gloom from Oregon State fans, but considering that your competition took a step down, and again, I think Oregon State fans are a little kind of, you know, gun-shy, for lack of better terms, Dylan, because the last time a coach departed, what Gary right. Anderson, he quit and left and all that the cupboard was so bare for Jonathan Smith that it was like put up your hands it's going to be you know two years before you're competitive and 2018 was a rough year and I know I know this is not what people want to hear but um and and we and you can we can talk for days about how everything went down but the one thing that is absolutely 100% the truth is the program today is in an incredibly better spot than where it was when Jonathan Smith took over the program. People can, you know, hate on how everything went down, but I mean, at the end of the day, he left Oregon state as a really damn good program. And, and like I've said on the podcast before, and I'm going to keep on hammering until I'm either right or I'm completely wrong. Um, And that's that I think Oregon State has a chance to continue to be a really damn good program and be one of the top um, whatever whatever they're going to end up, whether we still call this the group of five or whatever. Right. Like, the, the group of five is always going to have 
I think at least one representation in you know the college football playoffs and our and, and I and I think Oregon State for foreseeable future as long as Trent Bray can continue the trends that are that were started under um, Jonathan Smith I still think this program can be competing yearly if not yearly every other year or so for a college football playoff spot and I think yeah it that I there's a lot of of negatives about what has happened but you could also argue that with everything that's happened it puts almost the beavers as a football program and solely as a football program in a better spot to potentially make a college football playoff case for that which which, which could also you know eventually help recruit um you know the nil stuff is getting you know better and better and as we've seen in college football nil is really changing recruiting you look at rivals, top 10 prospects in the country this year signed with 10 different schools. Yeah. First time ever that, that's happened in rivals history. Um, and, and that's not be, that's not a stroke of luck. A lot of that has to do with NIL. Now, Oregon State obviously isn't going to be a, probably a player for most five-star recruits, but the point remains is the NIL is going to help. Having sustained success is going to get you in those conversations for higher recruits and so on and so forth. Now, going back to the transportal, Gabari Johnson, quarterbacks kind of wrap that up yes giovanni mccoy probably changes things with murphy but i have a feeling that this that they probably had an indication from murphy that maybe he was leaning towards duke or they had an indication somewhere that maybe he was leaning towards duke he was supposed to take a visit to baylor but i've heard he never made that visit okay so that makes it duke or obviously the beavers now perhaps he surprises us and he still commits the commits right. the organ no no nobody nobody's gonna turn that down i mean no. uh guys can always yeah. change and you know guys can change their mind and they could get gabari johnson and and you know malik murphy and then Joanna mccoy could say i'm changing my mind and going somewhere right. or we live in now folks yeah, right. it is what have you done for me lately kind of a right. kind of a business and and again, like I said, you know, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this ultimately shakes out over the next, you know, week or so. Make sure to stay uh, locked into uh, Beavers.com right. as Dylan and I will have uh, the latest on uh, McCoy and uh, continued quarterback recruiting. Uh, Dylan, some final thoughts uh, from you as we close out to this edition of the Edge Podcast. Yeah. Um, okay. So, still think they're in the run for Kabari Johnson, as we've stated. Um, I don't think this really changes much just because of his four years of eligibility remaining. Um, well, if he does come in, then then I would say you start looking closely at, in the spring at uh, Ben and uh, Rockmorton just because I, I, I imagine they would like somewhere where they can have a chance to play. And I'm not sure that sure. with Gabari Johnson uh, – if Gabari Johnson does come in uh, to Oregon State and uh, Giovanni McCoy, that they would, you know, want to stay around, which is understandable. Um, I obviously they signed Kalen Gudridge, but he's a project as we've kind of discussed that is going to have some development to go. Um, decision decisions, you said. Um, timelines on that. Uh, if I'm correct, Oregon State's winter term um, starts January eighth. So we, so I'm, I'm guessing their deadline for enrollment is probably the seventh, something like that. Um, yeah. So you know, got about what three weeks here 
to for them to make a decision here. So still have a little bit. Now, what is worth noted is um, while it is a dead period currently, January 3rd through the 8th, I believe, is a quiet period for two-year and four-year transfers. So be sure to stay tuned over at Beaver's Edge uh, because there is a chance that Oregon State is able to get some, somebody on campus, whether that's a quarterback or another position, to visit during that yeah. four or five day period. Now, obviously, you know, it's a four or five day period and classes start the eighth. Enrollment deadline is probably the seventh. It is a very quick turnaround, um, obviously. So that if, if a kid visits, there's a, I don't know if I would say a high chance, but it, it would be, you know, they would have to make a decision quickly because they'd have to move in within uh, 24, 48 hours. Um, so that would be something to watch going forward in the next few weeks. Other than that, it should be probably a little quieter. Uh, you know, the team is preparing for the Sun Bowl, which is, what, six days away. Um, obviously, Trent Bray is going to – I'm sure he's traveling, but uh, he's got some things he's going to be handling uh, while the uh, interim staff, I guess you can call it, handles the bowl game, uh, as they've been doing all uh, month. Uh, but, yeah, they're still recruiting. Uh, they extended an offer last night to a JUCO kid. Uh, which I'll have more on the site soon. Um, but I, I'm sure the recruitment, I, I don't know if I expect any uh, high school commitments anytime soon. Perhaps they'll be uh, active with the JUCOs here in the next few weeks. Those kids, I believe, can also visit that January 3rd through the 8th, since those would count as two-year transfers. Um, and then Trans Portal, yeah, well, obviously they're still in the race for a couple guys. Uh, will some people be willing to commit without visiting? Perhaps if there's past familiarity with Oregon State and Corvallis, but uh, I would expect it to be on the quieter side probably over the next uh, week or so until New Year's. And then once right. we get past New Year's, it, things will start picking up a little bit more. Oregon State, I'm sure, will be uh, looking to add more to their 2024 recruiting class before the February deadline. Of course, we'll be waiting for uh, – Eddie Freoff, Martin Connington, and Malachi Durant to make their final decisions that after not signing during the early signing period. So while it will probably be quieter, there's still plenty to talk about. We're going to be discussing a lot still on the recruiting side of things over at Beaver's Edge. Yeah. So, yeah, be sure to go over to OregonState.Rivals.com. Uh, you could sign up right now with a free 30-day free trial, uh, get all the inside information where, where you know, we're breaking down all the – Transfer portal commitments. Um, after we're done with those, I plan on taking a look at the 2024 kids that are committed or signed at this point. And uh, yeah, so uh, still still a lot going on over on the site here. Uh, and of course, we got the ball game coming up in a couple of days. Exactly. And like Dylan said, there's no place you'd rather be, folks. Beaversedge.com. It's going to be the best place for you guys to find all your Beaver coverage. Uh, as Dylan mentioned, we got the bowl game coming up. It's actually a week, you know, a little, you know, if you count today. Not even. Not, not even four days. Four yeah, days. not even. So yeah, the bowl game's coming up. It's going to be exciting to see the Beavers back on the field. Considering that the last time we saw them on the field, they were led by Jonathan Smith, and quite a lot has changed since then. And you know, uh, all that to say, uh, I'm very excited to see how they close out the season, and um, very excited to see who they attack in the transfer portal as well. I mean, going back to Dylan's point, DJU 
did not visit Corvallis before he came and signed and did all that. He was just like, it seemed like a place I wanted to go. So, you know, it's anything's possible in that recruiting transfer portal game. And uh, as Dylan mentioned, we'll be on top of it, uh, especially with the quarterback news. Make sure to stay locked. BeaversEdge.com will continue to come to you guys with podcasts uh, following some big commitments or big transfers. Be something we're going to try to do a little bit more often. So thanks for everyone for tuning into this edition of the Edge Podcast, breaking down the commitment of Giovanni McCoy and also talking the Oregon State quarterback room. Big thanks to Dylan Callahan Crowley. Dylan, this is probably the last time you and I pod before Christmas, barring uh, another Christmas Eve uh, decision from a quarterback, which, hey, you never know. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah, that's not a hint at anything or anything. Just, 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 it happened. Uh, Just joking around. But uh, happy holidays to you, man. I hope you have a good holiday weekend and uh, a little bit of downtime for you just to enjoy the holidays and myself. And happy holidays to all of you all at Beaver's Edge. Dylan and I appreciate you guys so much. Safe uh, travels to anybody heading down to El Paso, of course, as well. True, too. It is a journey to get down there, Dylan. So we are going to say safe travels to all the Beaver Nation, that is. So, again, for Dylan Kellen, Crowley, and Brendan Slaughter, signing off on this edition of the Edge Podcast.